thank you guys for leading us this morning. Good morning, folks. Great to see you all. If you were here last week, uh, you would have engaged with the, the first part of our new series, a series to launch this year, Table. And last week, we, we took a little bit of time to think about um, how, how Jesus spent a lot of his time around tables. Uh, as Luke tells us, he came eating and drinking. That was the way he went about expressing his mission. That was his method. And today I want to move on from Jesus and take a little look at Jesus' first followers and how they went about actually replicating what they had learned from Jesus. And to to open up scripture and take a look to see how, how tables weren't just important for Jesus, but they were also important for his first followers. And working back from there, how they continue to be important for us, contemporary followers of Jesus. It's a a relatively well-known fact, and if you've spent any time in in church, you will have engaged with a certain amount of church history. Perhaps you've taken time to to read through the the book of Acts. Uh, That was a book that was also written by by Luke. Um, And what we see when we look into that book is a little bit of a snapshot of the early shared life of the earliest church. Uh, And so what we see there is that the early church was in fact a house movement. And for the first three or four centuries of the church's existence, it was a house movement. The grand church buildings and cathedrals that have become synonymous with the word church came into being much later in the church's existence and only after it had been legalized. Christianity was um, illegal up to um, the year 313 AD, and it was only after it was legalized that the big grand church buildings and cathedrals began to come into existence. Now, the oldest church buildings, however, to be excavated by archaeologists, which were in the 4th century, actually were quite different, and they look quite different from what we come to understand and expect church buildings to look like today. They were actually modeled after typical Roman homes. And a typical Roman home at the very, very heart of its home, it had what was called a forum. It was the place where the table was placed. It was the center of the home. It's where all the important meetings would take place. And of course, it was where the people would gather for meals amongst other things. And the earliest churches that have been excavated by archaeologists were actually just bigger versions of Roman homes. Churches themselves, their buildings, were modeled after a family home. And I think that that is quite interesting. It gives us a little bit of an insight into the types of things the earliest Christians did when they gathered together. And you can picture it, the table at the heart of a home, both metaphorically and physically. And around that table, the church would gather for prayer, for worship, for teaching, for communion, and of course, a shared meal. And we see something of this in the book of Acts. It describes exactly this. Luke gives us an interesting snapshot of the life of the very first churches gathered initially in and around Jerusalem. In fact, Caroline read from this portion of scripture 
last week, and we're just going to read from Acts chapter 2. Ruth, the clicker isn't working, so perhaps you would just transition on to the next slide there for me. We're going to read from Acts chapter 2, and it's towards the end of the, the chapter. We're going to pick it up from verse 42, Acts 2, verse 42, to the end of the chapter. So, Lord, would you bless the reading of your word, and would you commit it to our hearts by the power of your Spirit, and in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to, to draw your attention to two things from this text this morning. And the first thing is this. I, I want to draw your attention to the type of things that the earliest Christians devoted themselves to, what they committed themselves to. And, and Ruth, if we could just skip forward another two slides, we will read there that amongst the numerous things that the earliest Christians devoted themselves to was fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship, okay? Now, the appearance of, of this word here in a, a book that was written by Luke, well, I think that it speaks of Luke's influence, um, or not Luke's influence, but Paul's influence upon Luke. Luke and Paul were friends. They, they, they traveled on missionary journeys together, hence why we have the book of Acts in the very first place. But the word fellowship itself is, is a big word in the New Testament. It's an important word in the New Testament, particularly for the Apostle Paul, who, who has written quite a lot of our New Testament. Now, the word itself, fellowship, has practical, even financial implications that our word fellowship doesn't always carry. Biblically, fellowship is more than rich tea, biscuits, and some instant coffee in a dusty church hall. It's much, much more than that, thankfully, I have to say. In fact, though the word has developed a particular Christian meaning over the centuries, and it includes things such as the sharing of worship and prayer, the type of things we're doing today. It includes mutual support and friendship within a Christian church. That's what fellowship has come to perhaps mean to us when we hear the word. In Paul's word, world, the normal word for a business partnership actually was fellowship. And if you had a, a, a business, it was called a, a fellowship. And that fellowship actually carried the responsibilities for the work of the business and for the financial implications of the business. To be in fellowship with someone or with a group of people meant that you were actually in business with them. You had a shared venture, a shared enterprise. Maybe to get a, a picture of what that looks like, think of the old guilds 
And we have some of the old guilds, don't we, in, in cities like London, for example. The old guilds were associations of artisans or merchants who would control and oversee the practice of a particular craft or a particular trade in a particular area or, or city. And of course, these groups, these guilds, these collectives, many of them would actually be relatives, wouldn't they? Sons would learn the trade at the feet of their, their dad or their uncles, and wider networks of, of family and friends would be pulled into these associations. You could say they were in fellowship with each other. The biblical world, word fellowship would work really, really well here. So Paul will say to the church in Philippi, for example, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So if you have become a Christian, if you have taken your seat in the church, you've entered into a shared business venture as such. You have entered into a shared partnership, a shared fellowship that starts with Jesus and includes you and I, his people. But the business that we have entered into is the gospel business. It's the grace business. It's the forgiveness business. And each of us have a part to play in this fellowship, in this partnership. And each of us have responsibilities to shoulder. None of us are left out. We all have a part to play. And of course, Luke tells us that amongst the numerous things that the earliest Christians devoted themselves to, they devoted themselves to fellowship. We see that word again. They devoted themselves to Jesus' gospel venture. So that's the first thing that I want to draw your attention towards from our reading today. And the second thing is linked to that. How did they go about expressing devotion and commitment to fellowship? Well, well, let's read those words once again in Acts chapter 2. We read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. At the heart of the fellowship of the early church were people's homes. We, we read it quite clearly there, don't we? They met in one another's homes. People didn't go to church in those days. There were no church buildings at this stage. There wasn't a church building to go to, so to speak. They were the church <laughs> The, the word church wasn't a, a noun as such, a place that you go to. It was a description of a collection of people. It described who they were. They were the church that belonged to Jesus. And this fellowship, this collective, revolved around shared meals at people's dining tables. The earliest church meetings looked less like this. That's the type of thing we perhaps have in mind when we think of a, a church meeting. 
It's not that that's not a church meeting, by the way. It's just not particularly representative of what the earliest Christian gatherings look like. They look less like this and more like this. What looks more appealing? (laughs) Don't answer that. (laughs) But what I want you to do is get a little bit of an idea of what these earliest gatherings actually look like. And with this picture in mind, and just hold that image on the screen, please, Ruth. With this image in mind, perhaps even look at the image while I read the text once again. Here's what Luke says about the shared life of the first church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the great truths of the gospel, of what Jesus has done for us, his people, were taught over dinner between mouthfuls of lamb and gulps of wine. They devoted themselves to fellowship, the partnership, the concerns of the community, the mission initiatives that they were dreaming up. Well, they were dreamt up over dessert. (laughs) The miracle whip was perhaps spilt all over the strategic documents marked confidential. (laughs) The dining table doubled up as the board table. (laughs) They devoted themselves to these things and they broke bread in their homes. Communion was wrapped up into a meal and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I think there is a beautiful simplicity about all of this. And Luke is describing something that has now grown from a humble table fellowship. The Christian faith was born around a table. The first guys gathered around tables and now now it comprises billions of people. Starts and I think it ends around a table. The wonderful thing is that as these Christians simply committed themselves, as they devoted themselves to living like this, as they devoted themselves to fellowship, the church grew. (laughs) The church grew as they committed themselves to living like this. And Luke adds for us, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. More and more people came to take their place around tables like the one that we see on the screen. Now hear me, I don't want to reduce church and mission to meals. The the church and all that it encompasses, mission and all that it's about is, is clearly more than just this. But I do want to suggest that meals around tables, Christians meeting together around tables should be an integral and significant part of our fellowship, of our shared life. When we gather together, and when particularly we gather together and have meals and share friendship and life with one another, we are embodying and enacting our mission on, on one hand in the same way that actually Jesus' mission was embodied and enacted around tables through the many meals he shared and prepared. Now, if that doesn't 
If that doesn't make sense, then the little um, statement on the screen helps us just make, make sense of that. Community and mission are more than meals. There's more to being a Christian than just sitting around having food with other Christians. But it is hard con to conceive of Christian community and mission without meals. If you take them out of the equation, we're left with a little bit of a, a hollow shell, something of fundamental importance to who we are and what we are about is lost. Remember how Luke described Jesus' mission strategy? We thought about that last week. He came eating and drinking. We can make mission and community building sound like specialized activities that belong to experts. And some, some people have a tendency to push mission beyond the scope of ordinary Christians, <laughs> if there's such a thing. And if there is such a thing, that's, that's a term that describes every single one of us. <laughs> We're all ordinary Christians. We're all sons and daughters. We're all part of the household of faith. We're not to push mission and community building beyond the scope of ordinary Christians. Because Jesus has modeled a way for us. He came eating and drinking. It's not complicated. <laughs> True, it's not always easy. Sometimes it takes a little bit of effort and energy and preparation on our behalf. Sometimes it involves allowing people into what we might describe as our personal or private space. Sometimes it might involve you going to places where you don't necessarily feel comfortable yourself, but it's not complicated. <laughs> this is not rocket science. You do not need a degree in advanced theology to figure this stuff out. <laughs> and if we can share a meal or meet around a table, and if we combine that with a passion and a love for Jesus, his people, and those who are not yet his people, then we will start to build up the Christian community and reach out in mission. I have confidence in that because that's how Jesus did it. It's how his earliest followers did it. And it's how we, his contemporary followers, are to do it as well. So with that being said, I'm going to invite Caroline and Mallory, they're going to do a little bit of a, a spot interview just to talk through what that looks like today and, and, and how these guys have experienced something of that in their own life. I would invite you to give them a little round of applause, but hold that there because Mallory has in her hands a sleeping baby. And if she wakes up, we'll ruin the interview and nobody wants, nobody wants that. But thank you guys, I'll hand over to you. Hi, everybody. I've been instructed to hold it under my chin, which feels slightly odd, but can everybody hear? Yes, good, okay. <laughs> um, with this series, we thought um, it's great to hear from scripture, but it's also really good to hear um, testimony of the word put into action in ordinary folks' lives, because I think there's something about personal testimony that is just really impactful and helpful. 
And so we've invited Mally up this morning just to share a little bit about her journey with hospitality. And um, so we're going to start, Mally, just by um, asking you to introduce yourself. I know you're probably known to lots of people. Um, but just tell us a little bit about how you and Tim um, came to be part of the People's Church and how hospitality was involved in that. Yeah, so I'm Mallory and I'm married to Tim. Um, uh, yeah, so we, I started visiting People's Church in 2006 when we were both boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, he, so it was Tim and Leslie's church, which is Tim's dad. Um, so any time we were in Banbury, because I'm from Birmingham, we'd visit, sorry, visit the People's Church. Um, and kind, people kindly invited us for dinner after church and we got to know a few families that way. We would go and play games or go and walk around Roxton grounds and stuff. So yeah, um, yeah, it just evolved from there. And then we got married about eight years ago, nine this July. Um, and yeah, we already knew a few families here, so we felt like the church was quite homely and we got married here. Um, but when I moved from Birmingham, I was a bit like I wanted to be back in Birmingham. So I used to spend every weekend going back and visiting family and friends. And it was kind of a discussion of going, right, we need to get deeply rooted. And so we started coming to the church more regularly. And then Addy Blessing came and approached us one morning and was like, will you join the welcome team? And then from there, we joined the youth team, and Tim joined the band, and yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. And um, I know that you've been part of the youth team now for a number of years as well. So Mally and Tim both serve um, on different teams here at church, which is another great way of getting to know people and getting involved. But specifically, Mally, can you just tell us a little bit about how, how hospitality and meeting around the table is part of how you do team in in um, the youth team. Yeah, so um, Shannon took over the youth team. We, there was already a team established, but she really wanted to get to know who was serving on the team and then by us all as a team getting to know each other. So it started with weekly one-to-ones with her going for coffee in town and and just getting to know her and her getting to know us, or, well, me, like, you know, one-to-one. <laughs> but um, then we would do monthly meetings in, that would take place at each other's houses. And, yeah, just getting to know each other around tables. It would always involve pudding, at, l- at least, if not dinner. Um, we did w- month, we did re- yearly retreats where Stefan kindly didn't poison us, <laughs> but he, um, yeah, we, we, yeah, we got to know each other very well, and we were, weren't just blessed to have te- great, team in, bleh, great team members in the end, like, we, we created a family space, which we, we got sisters and brothers, grandparents, yeah, quite lucky. That's awesome. So, so through meeting regularly together around the table as well as meeting for meetings um, relationships were deepened and built and established in such a way that it has become like family is that right 
yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I want to ask you just a personal question, because I know that over the eight years that you and Tim have been married, it's not all been plain sailing and it's not all been an easy journey. And if you're okay to share a little bit just about how the relationships that you have forged here have helped you during some tricky times, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. Um, See, so yeah, Isla is very special to us because she was very long waited for. We, we struggled with fertility. Um, and that was during our time serving on the youth team, um, just from um, getting to know each other on the spaces. Tim joined the team because we were invited for meetings. So our team is family and they walked with us like they saw when it was a joyous occasion and saw when it was not. And they prayed when we couldn't pray. They, yeah, they held us when it was hard. Um, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, I was blessed with the team that we're on that I have a really good relationship and I call them sisters, like Renata and Shannon and Andrea are sisters and they were the first people we messaged when we found out we were pregnant with Isla mm -hmm. before we told any of our family. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they were the first people. I was like, please be praying. <laughs> but, yeah, the Isla's not just our gift. She's our team's gift. She's, okay. yeah, she's our little miracle, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you, Mally, for sharing that. Um, there's something in, in psychology that is is called or termed a holding environment. And um, actually, it, it refers to initially the, the environment that the mother creates for a newborn baby. And what the holding environment does, the mother's attunement and the mother's care of the baby, it allows for the baby to gather the parts of itself together to become a person. It's a, it's a strange concept. But actually, what I think is really powerful is the fact that we as Christian community, we can hold one another. We can be that holding environment for one another when we go through the ups and downs of life. And um, I think Mally and Tim have just got a great testimony of how being part of a community through investing in relationships, through allowing to be seen by others and for others to see them in their their weakness and their times of trouble, they were also able to receive the benefit of being held. And sometimes that's just by physically people standing with you when you feel like you can't stand. And um, I think that's so powerful, the fact that we get to be that for one another, that we get to hold one another um, in times of challenge. So thanks, Mel, for sharing that. Um, can you just tell us a little bit to finish what your hopes and your goals are this year when it comes to hospitality? Yeah, um, so we were based in Brackley, but last year, with great God timing, we moved house to Bodica the day after Ola was born. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and from being blessed with great God-chosen family, Renata and the beautiful Sherwoods took us in for a month, bless them. <laughs> but we're very thankful. But yeah, we would like to repay the favour and have you guys over more for dinner. 
obviously. Did you um, hear that? Take note. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Invitations <laughs> coming your way. Yeah. But yeah, and yeah, um, we've ha had o over the years loads of invitations to come over this way. So yeah, it got to the point where we felt we existed in Brackley. So we moved over here to be closer to everyone and be closer to the church community. So yeah, we we hope to open our doors a bit more to people and, and make new friends, especially because I like Isla to meet some babies her age and, and stuff, but yeah, definitely. Thanks, Mally. Thanks for sharing. Um, as we bring the service to a close and as the worship band come back up, um, I think there's two things for me this morning that, that feel really sort of pertinent. And what Sarah said initially, the scripture that she shared from, from Colossians, it talked about making room. And it talked about a spacious place. And um, it just reminds me how we... We have to make room um, in our lives, both for God and for one another. And there's a scripture in John 15. It's a really familiar scripture that, that we've all heard, but I just want to read it as we close. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant separated you can't produce a thing anyone who is separated from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown on the bonfire but if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you you can be sure that whatever you ask for will be listened to and acted upon this is how my father shows you who he is when you produce grapes when you mature as my disciples and i really um Actually, as we were worshiping at the beginning of the service, I really felt like God was saying this morning that, that he, is, he desires to know you. He desires to know you. And he also, he wants to be known by you. And this whole idea of being um, people that are hospitable with open hearts and open homes, you know, the power of, of doing that when God is a part of the equation, it changes everything. <laughs> Because not only are we opening our own homes and lives, but we're opening a way for the Holy Spirit to be at work, doing things that we can't imagine are possible. And um, so I just, I, I feel like as we close, if the, if the band can play, but if I can invite you all to stand. Um, I think this message this morning is here for somebody. And I don't know whether it's God saying make room for me, make room for me in your life, make more room for me. As Sarah said, when we choose to trust him and put him first, it's amazing how he can make a way for our heart's desires to come true. Or whether he is asking you this morning just to come a little bit closer and to be willing to be known by him um, and be known by others too. Because this power of being held, this power of being held by others requires the step of vulnerability to allow yourselves to be known. And so I just want to leave those thoughts with you as we sing this worship song. But if that resonates with you this morning and you feel that you need to respond in some way, then you can do that where you're seated. But you can also come forward and receive prayer. Thanks. Thanks.